you know the uh the expression of like getting caught red-handed yeah that was actually like based on when you when you touched your when you touched your penis um and it like scalded it you would be like your hands would turn red and therefore communicated to like the community that like you 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 jacked off did you just make this up or like i can't tell if you made it up or this is actually something that you were told that's still the primary form of excommunication in mennonite um villages i i know that mennonite is banned in some smash bros tournaments (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna mennonite Anyway, uh, I feel like we should start the episode. (laughs) I guess. Click. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to that. I've been meaning to listen to that. Why don't you come over and talk about it? About it. I don't know. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to I've Been Mean to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been mean to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. And I'm back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yay. Right, guys? I would say we missed you. But I, that's no, I actually did miss you so much because I don't know how to run a podcast without you, as I found out. It's hard. You do like 90% of the running the podcast and then I'm just kind of like here. Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. It's 15%. So anyways, uh, <laughs> hi guys. Fuck. I feel like I should uh, take umbrage with this. <laughs> so, hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, let's introduce our let's introduce our new friends over here. Ezra, take it away. Um. So. <laughs> they, Hot potato. <laughs> to you. <laughs> they like run a podcast together and make videos and stuff, and they're pretty cool. And one of them's my partner. So. Uh, Jackson Morrill and Austin Zweebelman. Howdy. Hey, you pronounced it right. Thank you. <laughs> Good, because I wasn't going to try. Uh, so, um, speaking of Jackson, you're not the only Jackson that's guesting on this podcast. Uh, come in here, buddy. Hey, I just want to take another look at you. Okay, bye, Jackson. What is this bit? So, uh, hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Um, Have we not been on the show for the last 20 minutes? No, because we are cutting probably 90% of that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, something that's kind of... Uh, before we get into writ to do four, um, uh, 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 something that's a little maybe interesting is that this is the first time I'm meeting... Jackson, Ezra's current partner. You might as well call us two stakes because we're officially meeting. No, I actually don't get that one. (laughs) By the way, I put I put um, I put the sirloins on the shelf and the stakes have never been higher. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually like uh, I'm Killer Mike's ghostwriter. (laughs) Does that mean you're legally allowed to write the N word? (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> oh, 
I'm not gonna. That's not the takeaway, Jax. That's also wait a, wait a, like whenever people talk about like who is and isn't allowed to say the N word, and they're not black, it makes me think that they are just sitting on the edge of their seat waiting until they get the pass. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know. I was about to go print up Jackson's journalism degree because he's asking the real questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, way to escalate that bit, I guess. Um, so, hey guys, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Jackson's here, Austin's here, as was here. Uh, so let's get into Run the Jewels. Um, so I'm, let's turn it to the panel a little bit and just like, what is your, what are your preconceived notions and history with Run the Jewel. Uh, I Run the Jewels 1 was kind of an underground thing. So if you're smoking weed in college around 2012, you're probably going to hear about it from your friends that are like hip hop heads. And uh, like uh, kind of more grungy, like hipster barbershop people knew of LP's previous works. And anybody who was like decent heard about rap music, which was Killer Mike's album that he did with LP in 2012. That had like real bangers on it, like uh, the song Reagan, that I recommend everybody check out. LP actually did most of the production for rap music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so then over time, because I think they were um, constantly propagating this through the William Street label. So it was also like the demographic uh, crossed in with people who watched it all swim. So it was going to it was going to hit you eventually if you were in like a certain target demographic. It hit me right around when Run the Jewels 2 came out because everybody was bumping uh, Oh Darling Don't Cry uh, just around me. And then I've been committed to the project ever since. It hits really hard. The two work really well together. The production's fantastic. Um, It's nice because I usually like in the last decade, I uh, I ended I ended the 2000 aughts wanting like good production from like Kanye, and then he spent the 2010s just giving me shit that I I wasn't sure that I needed, or uh, like basically everything after Jesus. And so, Run the Jewels was a way to get those hard hitting, well produced beats, but they kept more of a mind on shit that's like uh, fun to show off at parties. Instead of being problematic, they are trying to fix problems, and so that's that's where I stood with Run the Jewels. It's nice to hear like leftist rap that's produced this well mm-hmm. yeah austin actually uh showed me run the jewels i had encountered a few songs specifically in what 2017 and 18 you showed me the music video for uh, them featuring on the dj shadow song uh nobody speak which is a fucking killer music video that came out during the 2016 election and kind of summarized the entire fucking it's thing. a killer mike music video <sighs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I'm not wrong. No, actually. <laughs> I never actually, thought about the, it that I'll way. Just and try, I I'll, just try to, I'll just try to summarize your point. Like, I'll just try <laughs> to get you to wrap up. I'm just, like, <laughs> that's enough of you. <laughs> it was me, like, playing, like, the Oscar music. Like, just like, oh, you're like... That's enough. I'm sorry, continue. I Basic, oh, it's okay. Uh, Austin showed me Run the Jewels, and uh, I got into them a bit slowly, but I came to really appreciate their stuff, especially once I gave RTJ3 a full listen through and that still stands as my favorite album but i still pick like five or six out of the first two albums that i really enjoy listening to i i just really dig it uh i don't really consider myself a hip-hop uh fan but i do really enjoy the art of rapping and killer mike and lp have shown me it in a way that i don't think i've really gotten out of other hip-hop that i've tried I, what what would you say is missing from like other rappers that like 
you're getting from Killer Mike. There was, I think, a, the, uh, in the Pitchfork review for Run the Jewels 4, um, this thing that Killer Mike does where he sort of uh, has this, like, rubbery bounce around, like, uh, these really long, like, bars and stuff. Uh, the Pitchfork writer, I think, described it as a man skipping through a minefield and surviving. And <laughs> that's something very, very <laughs> special to Killer Mike, is sometimes he'll just rattle off, like, a fucking machine gun, and that's always really fun to watch listen to but at the same time i just really 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 enjoy jamie's vocal style and flow because he's very heavy on wordplay and so you get a lot of really clever word association that you really only see out of english majors yeah like he, <laughs> so. I, I'll, I'll say like uh jamie lp um, oh yeah so jamie and mike my favorite rap <laughs> duo anyway continue sorry uh no, it's fine. Uh, that was a good bit to interrupt me with. I'm I'm really happy about it. Um, but like, um, Killer Mike is like the one where like you kind of like he's like more attention grabbing. You immediately kind of get what he's doing. Uh, but on repeat lessons, I grew to really like LP's uh, not just his production, like, but his like his uh, versatile versatile like rapping. I think is like. It's at when you look at the lyrics and like, oh, that's like so clever. That's like that's on par with what Killer Mike is yeah, doing. Yeah. A contrast that's often drawn because you you want to figure out like which one's the wild card crazy one and which one's observing. You know, like which which one's the uh, which one's the, the the guy standing on the soapbox preaching and which one's the guy with like the gun in his pocket just kind of like nodding off to the side with sunglasses on that's sort of uh the dynamic that i saw come up in a couple of reviews of this is that the way that they keep each other weighted is sort of that uh people have i guess uh absorbed that lp is sort of this like uh more more like cool and collected but he's got dystopic paranoia and then killer mike is very down to earth and like very uh like laser focused with his issues and um but he's he's also like um like very very wide syllables and just uh you know like uh booming out at you kind of thing like it can contrast maybe for like introverts and extroverts is that people are like if i'm gonna go yeah, off like, i'm gonna be like one of these two people andrew what are your preconceived notions of your turn uh uh yeah i i like i like these two a lot i this is like all this, these guys were uh, fellas, I wanted to dive into eventually, um, but, you know, didn't have the time to. So, uh, yeah, I just like, I just, um, aesthetically, I liked, uh, like their partnership. I just think like, um, they have a great look, like the two of them together, they have a great look and I've grown to really like Killer Mike a lot. Um, I think he's like a really incredible activist i think he's a really incredible like i think he's a very smart guy i think he's a very like good-natured kind person too who would like really uh puts solutions to uh certain issues into words and into like actionable steps that i really respect a lot um so yeah that was like just really looking forward to seeing what these two would like Kind of cook up. Like I said, I just want a big hug from Killer Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a nice. He seems like he, he seems like a good guy to like. You know, like that thing with politicians. Like he seems like a guy I would like to get a beer with. Like Killer Mike seems like a good guy to, to get a hug f f with. Who are some other huggable rappers? Let's go through that. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Rick Ross. I want to hug Rick Ross. 
Just because I feel like it would be like that scene oh, in My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a scene where the main character falls asleep on Totoro because he's so massive? Yeah, he falls asleep on his like on his tum tum or whatever. I want to I do like that Totoro's to Rick Ross. <laughs> Oh, Rick Ross seems like he'd be sweaty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, really, it's the middle of June. Everyone is sweaty. I don't know. I think developing a secret handshake with LP would be a transcendent experience. By the way, but, um, uh, Austin, let's do our secret handshake right now, by the way. Um, so let's do it on, on air. Here we go. I... Whoa, that was so cool. Yeah, thanks. I didn't think that was going to go over well, but uh, we absolutely fucking did. We showed him. Yeah, we, we've we been workshopping it for weeks. It's kind of so, complicated. Uh, you have to be cool. double jointed yeah, in a few places. Justin <laughs> and I are just in awe of that. I feel like if you hugged Eminem and told him it's not your fault, like you might actually get him. <laughs> <laughs> when a single tear fall down his cheek and then he fades away from existence. <laughs> He just starts just telling you, like, and you're, he's just uh, my un, I have he he finishes his unfinished business and like he is very pale. Are you insinuating that fucking Eminem is a revenant? Yeah, <laughs> he goes his unfinished business. <laughs> he only uh, that's why he's like. <laughs> so let's get into uh, themes of the record right after this break. Dot da dot da dot dot. Hey, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to I've been meaning to listen to that, the show. It's great. Uh, so let's get to themes of the record. Uh, let's talk about uh, RTJ4 and the themes of the record. I already said that. I didn't need to say it again. But let's get into RTJ4 worth repeating. and the themes of the record. So we're getting it, just to be clear, we're getting into RTJ4 and the themes of the record, correct? The themes of the record on RTJ4. Yes, we're getting into the themes of RTJ4, the record. I'm not saying it. Don't look at me. Ezra, please. <laughs> We're getting into RTJ4, the themes. Uh, the, the, the big hot button theme that attributed a lot to its positive review status and early release date, like two days before Big Whoop, but still an earlier release than planned, uh, is police brutality. That's it's like a thing yeah. they've been dealing with for a while, and it uh, still comes up a lot on this record. The thing about this record in particular is that that song, like uh, Running in the Snow was recorded in September and it was a September of like 2019. And it was like in reference to Eric Gardner. So it's like literally, like literally like, uh, like six or seven months later that like the same poll quote is like, it's like this literally the same poll quote, uh, from Eric Gardner's like, but like it, the, their aim with their music is that one day their lines are no longer, prescient anymore their their lines are no longer uh tied to our current reality because like um rtj has like a really good uh track record of like speaking to the time speaking to like current events like rtj rtj3 was about like uh the election and stuff like that and now it's like about this current upheaval we're kind of seeing right now just a little bit um, of stl represent about uh killer mike he was here um, along with LP and they were performing in the uh, the ready room on November 24th of 2014, which was the night that a grand jury announced that Darren Wilson would not be charged. That's with a right. Crime. Yeah. 
And that video actually went viral. I remember seeing it at the time. Uh, you know, while I was hiding in my house, scared that the whole fucking state was going to be burned down by rightfully angry people. I didn't realize, I didn't think, I didn't put two and two together that that was there. I, oh, wow. It's, that must have been really scary. So, like, priests, like, yeah, I, I, um, so, yeah, like, the fact that, like, um, uh, the, like, police brutality is still, like, yeah, there is marked progress from RTJ2 to this, like, this current, um, you know what's happening now there is like it has reached a boiling point boiling points where uh it's it literally impossible to ignore and they're like pushing for like for like uncompromised reform and progress and abolition and stuff which is incredible um but there but it's still it's it's still an evil that's like not going to go away for a long time, you know, like this in this systematic racism and all these things, it's not going to go away for a very long. It's still like there's still long ways to go, I guess, is a better way to put it, that it's not going to go away. Yeah. And I uh, it's you're right. It is going to take a long time, but I do find it um, encouraging that uh, like the protests are still going on and that they are like, yeah. um, as like heightened as they are, where like, like you said, people like they can't really be ignored. And I just hope that, um, people keep up this momentum instead of just saying the right things when, uh, it's trendy to say those things and then going back to their quote unquote normal lives. And, uh, yeah. like, every like nothing changing because this has happened like like history keeps repeating itself this isn't unprecedented like where we are now and uh so yeah i guess i just hope that like people don't um just turn to like the next thing to be outraged about and they like continue actually like doing something and putting the work in with this yeah so but like i think like um a big theme, like it, it's like police brutality is a major theme of this record. And it's like a evil that these characters like that, uh, like, uh, that, like, you know, killer Mike and LP are like fighting against. It's like this dragon almost. Um, but it's like, also like, I would describe the, I would describe the record as kind of like spiritual warfare of like it, not just being like politics or like, you know, this like one thing we have to get over before, you know, before we're okay forever, I guess. It's like spiritual warfare and it's like a battle of your hearts and your morality and that these guys are uh, providing the soundtrack for like people to uh, do the work and providing the soundtrack to like have the anger go into something that is positive and like constructive and all of the, these things. I agree with that. And I think that actually is something that's a strong theme in LP's work, but particularly in run the jewels, uh, one and three, one it's explicitly referenced in, uh, a Christmas fucking miracle. And later on in 2100, 
in RTJ3. Both are songs where L kind of talks about, and this is something that's like a very sub theme of his, but it showed up a little bit in I'll Sleep When You're Dead, how love is kind of this all conquering power that will give you like the strength to fight on and the strength to do better and the strength to be better. Additionally, they have this uh, really interesting um, shit really kicks off and specifically the last two songs as far as how heavy things get. Uh, it seems to be two distinctive parts of the record. Uh, like the, la- the last two songs have a much heavier tone. And uh, the beginning of Pulling the Pin has it talking like the, the, there are lines alluding to that this is like an eternal spiritual war between, uh, you know, normal folks and the violators. And uh, that sort of feeds into like another theme of the record, which is uh, people who have been corrupted by power who happen to be, you know, trying to rule over us for the wrong reasons. That's a uh, like consistent th- thing through Run the Jewels. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's one thing that I also really like about Run the Jewels is that they function really well as a chronology. And so listening from the front of their discography to the end, you get constant callbacks and allusions to keep up with. And I think that's something that's not just in their lyricism, although like in uh, Walking in the Snow, uh, Mike outright references Kill Your Masters, the closing track from three. But uh, sonically too, some of the production in the earlier parts of this album feels like callbacks until there's a distinct shift into its own sound. Specifically, the song Out of Sight, to me, kind of carries the same energy as Banana Clipper from their first record. Which was a uh, track two. You're right. Yeah, especially with like the uh, the feature of a somewhat bigger artist that's kind of fallen out of favor. Uh, with Banana Clipper, uh, that's a little more ambiguous. But Big Boy is an artist uh, from Outcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We will talk about them in a few months. <laughs> and uh, and uh, out of sight features of all people fucking two chains. Oh, gosh. He's <laughs> Two Chains is so silly. <laughs> you know, Run the Jewels, while it has callbacks about, like, really heavy shit, um, it also, like, I don't know if it's a Run the Jewels record if I don't get told to do something to someone's butt crack. And so they still have that, like... That's <laughs> even the crack. <laughs> Automatic facts, just like that. They've, uh, they've got, like, a, a string of They're... silly things as well as serious things they, they constantly reference. Well, and I think that, like... It's the... tempered with levity. Like Yeah, it's... something that, like, uh, Jackson and I were talking about um, outside of the podcast. Sorry, we didn't just save all the good content. Um, is, like, the album, uh, like kind of it does have those like two sides to it and it kind of like has a shift to like they kind of ease you in with like um stuff that is like a little bit lighter and then like in the middle of like the fourth song they're just suddenly like just kidding like the shit is real and the world is dark and we're gonna talk about it this is something that i've been theorizing about since the album art for the album has was released and it's something that i kind of wanted to express on here. This is just my opinion on it. This isn't like an official take or anything, but uh, LP Jamie works on the graphic design for, he's not the one that does Mm. them, but he's the one who kind of like guides and approves the team that does the graphic design for each of their album arts. A creative director type. Yeah, something like that. 
and artistic director yeah like or something like that yeah. yeah i don't remember what the liner notes specifically state him as but uh they do list his name somewhere to do with the cover design and the cover design for this one is sure. three-dimensional like rtj3s but it's very polygonal and the metal looks kind of rusted and it's something that i was kind of thinking about because they described the album arts kind of as a succession just like their album success so the first one, they come onto the scene, they just have this kind of like icon of the pistol and fist, zombie hands, just because it looks cool, the striking graphic design. RTJ2, the hands are covered in bandages and blood, and uh, they commented that it's emblematic of how angry that particular album was, and the, they were kind of taking shots at everything. RTJ3, they took away the chain in the fist, and they made the hands gold, because they described that music as having been tempered a bit and done some self-reflection and kind of realized that the true like value is not in what you're taking, but who you are. And this fourth one feels almost like uh, a culmination of all of those ideologies where the pistol and fist are still there, but that metal's kind of worn away and it's a lot simpler. And I think that ties into the production stripping back a bit because there aren't as many heavy hitters on this album. Ooh La La is kind of heavy and uh, just with uh, Pharrell Williams of all people and Zach De La Rocha is a pretty big like bump beat. But I, I think that this album is a little more subtle in its production and it's kind of amplified by uh, taking on the concept of like polygonal designs. There's fewer shapes, so it feels a little more stripped back. And then the rust in the metal kind of feels reflective of them viewing a lot of the uh, despair not from the point of like anger and to instigate the riot but of how three years later after all this fighting and instigating at technically four rtj3's release was kind of weird at the end of 2016 beginning of 2017 depending on how you listened to it but how tired they are and how they've realized how deep this corruption runs and how hard it is to keep fighting and feel like you're doing anything against it and uh, it's a very striking cover art, and I'm really upset that Spotify ruined it by adding the parental guidance to the bottom of the image on it, even though the other three albums don't have that. But yeah, that's something that I've just been wa waiting for the podcast to put out there. I told nobody about this. <laughs> wow. And I wonder how much of that they kind of carried into the graphic design, uh, how much of that I'm guessing correctly and how much I'm off the mark. But at the same time, this music is still something that uh, I feel is invigorating, particularly the Absolutely. last track. Not necessarily talking about theme music, their hidden track, which I love. But uh, the last track, a few words for the Firing Squad, or Radiation, as I call it, because that's its subtitle. Uh, there's something very contemplative about it, and that leads me to feel like they looked even deeper. They retained that contemplative sense that they pulled into RTJ3 and brought it here and dug even deeper. You hear Mike talk about how uh, his mother passed away while he was on tour, and that's something that I think a couple of artists have actually gone through as family members just having health crises and passing away while they were away. Even I can relate to that. Uh, I was in college and just on such a schedule that I was asleep when my grandmother passed away and I didn't even get to say goodbye. So it was one of those things where I, I kind of relate to that. And music is kind of this tough business, especially when you make it big and you are world touring where you're so far away and so far removed 
that you're wondering if you're losing sight of what your core values are. And I think that radiation is them kind of looking at all the ways that they've managed to hang on to who they are in spite of everything. I guess we can move into highlights, by the way, because uh, the last song yeah. is a highlight for me. Um, and I uh, love it. it. So good. Yeah. And it definitely feels like they are uh, kind of taking stock of like where they've been and where they've come from and like uh, stuff, some stuff that they've talked about on these past albums and some stuff that they haven't. Um, and uh, just like taking stock of where they are, but then also like there's this driving force behind it. Like they're not done yet. And there's like, um, I don't know. It's just very motivating to listen to. Like it feel like it makes me want to do shit. Um, but then like, it also feels like they very much like um, are like their job isn't finished yet, basically. And there's like still, um, more that they want to contribute to the world, I guess. People are telling him, like, you could be the next Malcolm or Martin or, like, this this martyr figure. Um, but, like, him saying that, like, um, having... And, like, some days it being, like, difficult to, like, not indulge in, like, self-destructive behavior because the world is so evil and the world is so, like corrupt it kind of um, needs somebody to speak out against it and he feels that call it's a striking line and it's just like the idea of like the record starts with this fantasy of like like this it starts off as like you know this fake radio show of just like the yankee and the brave and these like these like top like these like larger than life figures are like you know guns blazing against like evil and like the cops and stuff like that and like all of that stuff. But then the conclusion is very reflective of like, I need, I have kids, I have a wife and I need to be alive. And that's, I need to be alive and I need to, um, so I need to, I need to be alive and I need to, uh, be intact, uh, because that is as important as the evils I'm trying to fight. So it's like knowing those things, knowing your own worth, that and that feeds your ability to fight against corruption, fight against these. That's why at the very end, he's like, you know, he's like ready to fight. He's like ready to like go forth and like additionally i uh last night for the first time listened to this album with headphones on the very last track is the only one where you can hear them completely clearly i swear every other every other track something is done to their vocals that obscures it in some way whereas on the last track their words come in crystal clear it was like a very deliberate production choice i love the production oh. of the song so much and like the uh, like no percussion or anything, just like it's very minimal, but yeah, like yeah. very like yeah. driving and stuff, and like they um like ma manage to like make it so dynamic and stuff without like feeling the need to like add all this percussion or like uh, modify their voices or like add any distractions. It's just like they're. Like, so that you're just left with, like, 
kind of their words and this like stuff behind it. And it's very like, um, I don't know. It just leaves you like kind of hooked and like hanging on like what they say. It's very, it's very cinematic. Uh, it's very, um, that's, and like, okay. So like that, this is something I've been like, you know, kind of wrestling with a little bit and like trying to figure out for myself is like, how do you be a good ally? I'm Asian American. I am still a person of color, but I like, there's like, you know, there are advantages to being, you know, Asian American rather than black or anything along the black or brown or anything. Um, it's just like, um, and I think like LP is like a good blueprint of how to be a good ally. Um, yeah. Because like, first of all, and like, um, because of like the way he produces and the way he, the production lifts up Killer Mike's vocals and like enhances it and like makes it grandiose and epic and, like, he seems like the guy who's, like, a little more content to, like, stand back every so often. But, like, when he does speak, he 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 has stuff. He has, like, stuff to say. And he's, like, really, really yeah. talented. Like, um, he has, like, his own clear, defined voice. But uh, he also, like, so he's, like, able to say shit when he needs to. But he's, like, also, like a little bit more introverted and like, okay with stepping back and um, like allowing uh, killer Mike to stand on his own and like helping with like the production side of things a little bit more than like um, saying shit himself. He doesn't like talk out of turn and shit. Um, but then like, yeah, he like, but that doesn't make him like timid or afraid of like, speaking up and saying something and it's not like the going back to the ally thing a little bit it's not just you know lifting up black voices or lifting up you know um killer mike it's about like um it's also just about friendship of just like being i watched like killer mike's netflix show and lp like killer mike is like the host and like he like does things um but lp was like <laughs> involved and just like chilling out and like just like cracking jokes and like he was there, but he wasn't he never pulled focus away from the major points. Um, but like you could tell that Killer Mike likes being around him and he trusts him. And uh, it's also expressed in the first song of just like um, LP play like kind of playfully chiding Killer Mike a little bit. Just like now, Michael, like you run and run like you hungry and get your ass in the ride. I'd rather have you than not need you than watch your own run dem demise and you still owe me for your, those Nikes. So it's like, it's serious, but it's also like, you know, they're having fun and they're pals. They're two good friends is my point. They really are brothers. Like at, at the end, it does state that and you can kind of see it. I've, I, I followed LP on Twitter for a long time because uh, he's just kind of goofy. But uh, at one point, somebody like, did an attack thing on Killer Mike, which was kind of understandable. He misunderstood something, but uh, he immediately was just like jumping into Mike's defense. And uh, it, it, it's a really complicated thing. That's such a small issue that I'm not even going to dive into it. But these two really do care about each other in the like eight or so years that they've really met and come to know each other. And it's very evident in the way that they make music and just 
are together. I watched a video of them on stage. Uh, they played a show over in Chicago. I don't know what festival it was, but somebody had a sign that said, uh, let me rap legend has it. And they like, they were just poking fun at this guy. He was like fighting through the crowd to get on stage and they started like counting down together. And it was clear that they were just having a good time being together and wanting to just share that moment with everybody. Also, the guy did get on stage and rapped the entire like first verse, both halves of legend has it and he killed it. Epic. I, I thought that Just was the highlight of this album. I uh, The first time I, I listened Just. to it. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. I look forward to anything that has Zach De La Rocha's name on it and uh, seeing him next to Pharrell Williams of Happy History. Yeah, this is probably the first song well, like, that Pharrell, Pharrell Williams is- has <laughs> been featured in like vocals and stuff that I have liked. <laughs> he was like, uh, he was part of the Neptunes and like... Uh, N-E-R-D, and he was like a rapper, rapper, like before he was like, you know, a singer and like, you know, kind of like a pop producer and stuff. So this isn't a new thing for uh, for uh, Williams. We are just uncultured is what you're telling us. This is a return to (laughs) his roots. I mean, I knew this and I have not heard that. That's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think Pharrell's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I like Pharrell a lot. I don't mind. I like Happy's him. Fine. Like, I like what he's done in like producing and stuff like that. And like, I think that he's very good at that. But I just don't like a lot of the stuff that he like um, does himself, <laughs> or like that he uh, is like featured on. I guess. So would you say that you're not happy? No. You wouldn't clap along like a room without a roof. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Ask Pharrell. He is on this song. Every review notes how weird and unlikely the pairing of uh, Zach De La Rocha and Pharrell, though, because it's like uh, Zach. Yeah, that is that is like yeah. And Zach is like the grandson of a Mexican revolutionary, and Pharrell Williams is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's cool that Run the Jewels has like the uh, alchemy skills to make them work together on a song. Just is so good, and just like yeah, the hook. It like the thing about like these songs is like they are the thing they focus on is like the craftsmanship, the craftsmanship of the verses, uh, rather than like attempting to make pop songs. And but as a result, they end up making songs that I would rather hear on the radio because they are fun to listen to. And like even and like the message of it all is just like, oh, like this, like this institutional racism is so ingrained in our society that like they're on our doll, they're on our currency. You know, they are it's it's on it's literally unavoidable. Mm -hmm. Just the hook is so much fun. I just I just love Pharrell's tone of voice. It's like really cool sounding. I love LP's line, Vonnegut punches for your Atlas drugs. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Such a cool line. And like, it's a clever punchline that doesn't draw attention to itself. Which which I think he's very good at. The idea of like compassion and love over passivity and like capitalism and stuff like that are like this weird um, ideology is like just really clever and really powerful i uh i like the part i forget which song where uh killer mike says unionize the sex workers yes Uh, we were talking about that earlier i don't think that i have ever heard a song song. refer to them as sex workers and not like 
hookers or prostitutes or some like degrading term yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that track is the ground below which is very punk rap it reminded me of uh features that mike shinoda was on around the fort minor era 2004 2005 2006 even uh just uh heavy guitar which is very alien to uh run the jewels and lp's style of music in particular I don't know um, what, what I just also want to say that walking in the snow and uh what is it like uh Pulling the pin. Pulling the pin. Uh, God, I just wanted so to... So good. I, I want to bring up the features, but I mean, like, we've really gone over them. Mavis Staples, the 70-plus-year-old uh, uh, soul singer, being on a Run the Jewels track and uh, killing it is awesome. Pharrell Williams sharing lines with De- Zach De La Rocha. Even fucking 2 Chains is on this album. How can yeah. you not want to be in on it? Uh, also highlights, I just really like Ooh La La. It took me a bit to get into it, but it features apparently Golden Age Hip Hop's uh, DJ Premier and Greg Nice. Uh, just uh, Premier is doing like scratches and stuff and sampling. And uh, Nice is, I guess, just doing the ooh la la bits. But it's just it's a fun yeah. bumping track. It took me a bit to warm up to it, but I really kind of like how uh, oddly dystopic it feels for how happy it is. I, I kind of love that uh, yeah. duality sitting within such an upbeat song that you think you would hear on the radio. Okay. I would say, like, this is my low light, ooh la la, because, um, for, like, uh, and I think I want to be very careful about this, of just, like, <laughs> but, like, okay, so, like, uh, Killer Mike's, uh, like, kind of, like, his more his like real world stance on like these like riots and like, like, um, like, uh, looting and things like that is he gets it. He understands it. Uh, and he, 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 he's like, he's the one who like says things like, uh, riots are the language of the oppressed and stuff like that. He's like quoting Martin. Um, but like he, um, his stance on it is like, don't burn your own house just to like prove just because you feel like just because you feel like people don't care and stuff like that. And like, you need to like, he's like very much like you need to like mobilize, build, like plan, take this time to mobilize, build, plan all of those things. And it's just like, and like this song is kind of like, uh, and I know this is like maybe part of the arc of the record of just like him going from this mindset to um, the the end, like a few words from the firing squad where he's like tempering um, self-care, self-love, you know, love of his family with social justice and with doing the right thing and with being uncorrupted. Um, but like uh, in this song, Ooh La La, he's very much like, I'm like he like literally he does like quote like he's like i'm like the joker i used to think my life was a tragedy but now it's a comedy just like you know kind of like kind of playing into the chaos like kind of playing into like and obviously it's like i think it's story i think it's more about just like the story of it of just like the record i guess but like i think someone who's like not as smart might just take it as like oh he's telling us to go nuts i guess is my it's, of it. 
It's a very subtle lyric, though. I used to love Bruce, but I'm probably more of a Joker. It took me a few minutes to realize he was referencing Batman. Like, I, I had to listen through it multiple times. Uh, it's it's not an obvious lyric at first. Well, whether it's obvious or not, one thing is, and that's that weird fucking hook. Okay, I showed Ooh La La to a group of folks who are over at my house, and I was like, a new run, the Jewel song, get over here, guys. And fucking I put it on, and that played so poorly to the room. I look like an idiot. Ah, okay. Well, they're, they're just tasteless. I really love it. They have but... made better production decisions than to have Ooh La La Ah Wee Wee be like playing through the whole fucking song. Maybe, but I mean, I think that by the end where you get like sirens mixed in and it's clear that it's like descending into chaos uh, as the intent of the song, I I really enjoy its progression. Well, my low light is uh, never look back. Uh, I don't really care for the production on this album, but I really also don't think that they're making any big points because... Uh, <laughs> Never get better than you'll never get bigger. Never get bigger than you'll never make cheddar. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I, I love I, I, that. Which is, it's, I think it's so important. I think that it's actually antithetical to the message of the album, where they're reflecting on how they made it to where they are. How so? They just they release albums for free. They release albums for free. First of all, so uh, money is not that big of an issue to them. But, like, they're talking about live shows and stuff and, like, success. Like, they still make money. Yeah, no, it's not like they're poor. Uh, they literally say they release the albums for free because they don't need the revenue from the albums. They sustain themselves off of, like, touring and, uh, like, label payments. But it is one of those things where radiation feels like they're reflecting on how they got to where they are, whereas Never Look Back is them saying you can't do that. Which is a stupid, stupid contradiction, and I can't stand the song. If I had to cut one, I would cut Never Look Back. How'd you feel about the part where uh, his dad tells Killer Mike uh, to never give a honey money, and Killer Mike is like, does that apply to mommy? <laughs> Isn't that just like an earworm? Such a good line. No. Such a great line. Nah. What are you talking about? It's like... Yeah, I do the flow. So do good. the flow from that one right now, Andrew. I'm not. I'm not going to do that because that's do cultural it. appropriation. But no, it's not. It's. I, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's just like pointing out the hypocrisy of his dad, like about just like um, his dad giving him like weird sexist advice, and then like him like confronting him on that. I think it's. So good. Um, and to your point about like, you know, it's not literally like, don't look back. It's more just like, don't let, um, you know, the bitterness of your past, like define you and hold you back. I more, more so I read it as, as like, don't literally look back at your past because that's dumb. Like yeah, you should, you should have context and stuff, but like, um, that's how I read it. In general, I don't think that there's a song that I would take out personally. I like. I think um, "Never Look Back." Like I like that song, but like in the um, sound of like the hook specifically, I don't like that as much. Um, but that's like very minor compared to like the song as a whole. So like that's just a very light low light for me. But the rest of it's pretty solid. 
Any uh, any stray observations or final uh, any stray observations before we get into final ratings and thoughts? Um, uh, in just um, I uh, like it took me a minute to like get um, like what the hook was actually saying, um, and like because like you guys were talking about like that being literal, right? Uh, yeah, and I think that it. I personally think that it's intended to be literal. I think it's intended to be, but, um, like, the first thing that, like, hit me upon listening to it and stuff was, like, um, I was thinking of, like, uh, like, slave masters, and I wasn't, like, literally thinking of, like, um, slave masters from the past. I was thinking of, like, what that looks like today and stuff and, like, the, like, prison industrial complex and all of that and uh so i would like the first thing that i thought of because of everything going on right now was cops and so i was thinking of like all of these pictures of like uh cops kneeling and shit like that and like how they're like posing for the camera and then immediately after they go back to being uh horrible violent shits and literally killing protesters and uh brutalizing them and shit and so uh I guess that's all I wanted to say about that one is that like uh I feel like that song has um layers to it as well. A high, like I guess like a final thing I want to talk about is on uh what's it called uh walking in the snow of just like um you know uh What's it called? Pseudo Christians, y'all indifferent. Kids in prisons ain't a, ain't a sin. Or just like if even one scrap of what Jesus taught connected, you'll feel different. It's just like that is so like potent and like and also like just like Killer Mike tying at the end where like you know saying that like Jesus was essentially strange fruits of just like kill LP is an atheist, um, but like just like he like is just like pointing out this massive hypocrisy with like a lot of evangelical Christians of just like how um, they are apathetic to these problems and they are apathetic to like, they let so much slide to like push their agenda. And also just like, I just love the whole message is just like condemning apathy of just like, you realize that like, once they like you know kill this population they're gonna come for you you know and just like killer mike saying you know i wish i could just show you how bad it gets so you'll, you'll just like get off your butt and like do something and not be and not just like just do a twitter rant or just like follow a trend or anything like that like actually do something and i think that's very um and the the idea that like the um the I can't breathe line is from a year ago essentially and that it's still relevant and present um makes this even more urgent than before. You can you can definitely tell these are two artists born in 1975 because of how many times they shit on people on Twitter and Instagram influencers. <laughs> <laughs> they are Real mad these people are online. Mastered Instagram, because... <laughs> I, uh... Gain yourself a follow. 
there is this, uh, I forget, I think it might be the same song you're referencing, but there's a point where they talk about how once these cages are built, uh, later when you're still poor, you will be put in them. Yeah, that's and, LP's line from yeah, Walking in the Snow. Yeah, right. that's, yes. that's, a, um, that's a healthy dose of no war, but the class war for you. Because I like to think that, like, the reason Run the Jewels is very popular is because there is a deficit of leftist content out there. I mean, that's the only explanation I have for Chapo Trap House making a million dollars a year is uh, there's there's just aren't enough. There's not enough leftist media needs to swallow and become as big as the liberal media sphere. And so it's it's just um, it's nice that there are these like introductory in this early stage, like kind of takes that allow people to understand capitalism as the superstructure that enables a lot of the other problems that they're already mad about. Right. Yes. I love that. Dope shit. Uh, okay. Uh, let's get into final thoughts and ratings of the record. Uh, the way this works is we'll go, we'll rate, we'll give our final thoughts and rank the record out of 10. So, uh, Austin, we turn to you first. I would give this nine out of 10 Buick Grand Nationals <laughs> because the sound they have Hell just yeah. honed into this fucking essence of run the jewels and they slam you with it. And only rarely do they make minor mistakes that make you just not completely freak out the entire 38 minute runtime. But it's a joy to listen to all the way through. Nonetheless, I love what they're saying. And it's always great to see these two working together. Since I'm next to him on the couch, can I go next? Yeah, please. Yay. Uh, I also concur with that score. I would give it uh, nine oohs out of ten lalas. Uh, the only detractor. <laughs> give me my goddamn vinyl of this thing. September. Yeah, September. Why is it coming out in June if the physicals are going to take so goddamn long? Because September, the 21st line. It's a lot easier to release something digitally. <laughs> it is, but I'm still mad about it. I think this is an, an incredible record. Uh, this is my first introduction to Run the Jewels. Um, and it's just like these guys are uh, speaking, have a very nuanced and interesting way to view, interesting way to view like, how to solve these problems in the world. Um, I think that's, and it definitely has given me a lot to think about. Like I, this record is so dense that I feel like I didn't get everything. Um, I feel like it's going to take a while for me to get everything in this, this record's trying to say. Um, so I just, I just love it. I just love the craftsmanship in the verses are incredible. The production is immaculate. Um, and bouncy and spacey and cinematic and really cool. Uh, LP is a great, like I said, a great template for an ally, but also just like a great MC in his own right. And I love his verses almost, I, I love his verses as much as Killer Mike's verses. I think um, they have a great partnership. And like, I think it's like, as like, I think um, they have better chemistry, in my opinion, so far, based on the episodes of Outcasts we've done. I feel like um, Run the Jewels has better chemistry than uh, Andre 3000 and like Big Boy, even though I know they took influences from Outcast, but whatever. Um, so I love this record. Um, it's just really, really incredible. So I really don't have a lot of complaints, really. You, the minor things I said I complained about are like I can mostly excuse because like oh like this is like 
um, the idea that uh, like they're uh, the idea that they're like uh, promoting chaos in Ooh La La, I can excuse because partly it's like I think the the arc of the the record, but also like it's like it's I take it satirically, and also because um, in practice I know Killer Mike promotes anarchy not as chaos but about community and dismantling evil so yeah i'm gonna give this uh nine no i'm gonna give this uh i'm gonna give this uh 9.5 vonnegut punches for your atlas shrugs <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> but 10 what ten. Yeah. <laughs> give another lyric fine <laughs> fine, fine here uh <laughs> 9.5 Vonnegut punches for your Atlas Shrugs, or uh, out of 10 Atlas Shrugs. There you or, go. Uh, here. Or I'll do another one here. Uh, 9.5 Penguin Pussies out of 10 <laughs> Polar Cat Peninsulas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, there you go. Does so, that count for the swear jar? <laughs> yes. That could, yeah. Uh, have you not been counting pussy? <laughs> uh, it's a medical term. Like, no! No, it's not! The word vagina exists and we shouldn't be scared of it. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> My gym be? teacher taught me that word. That joke feels like a... That joke was amazing. <laughs> God damn, yeah. you really have been taking classes. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't really have anything interesting to add because there are a lot of people. Okay, moving chat. on. So I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, it's a very good album. I It's my favorite Run the Jewels album already. And um, I don't really have like any major criticisms about it. And... Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it nine out of ten Kalama fucks. Hell yeah! Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, now let's get into our. <gasps> I've been meaning to listen to that. And I did. Playlist. Play okay. Um. Uh, since I've been since I've been gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, since I've been gone, I'll go first. Um, because. We've had enough of Ezra's music for a little bit. Um, I'm going to pick... Yeah, I don't get a pick this week. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a pick for like the next three weeks or so. Because I forgot to pick something. I'll, I'll say um, because like uh, none of you have heard like a good Pharrell verse, uh, I'm going to pick Move That Dope by by uh, Future, Pusha T, and Pharrell. Click. Real dope dealers for real. <laughs> It's it, so this is like an Atlanta like um, this is also like a Atlanta rap like uh, Atlanta rap and trap. Uh, I think this is like the future's early stuff is much better than his current stuff where he's like kind of doing auto tune uh, scissor crooning I guess. Um, and I just like I, he's like using his own real raw voice and I think it sounds so cool and like the production is like really intense and cool and like uh 
Pharrell like made happy and then he made this song like right afterwards uh featured on this song right afterwards so it's like just like shows his like versatility he has a really awesome verse Pusha T's verse is incredible and like funny and clever and weird um and the hook is very infectious so that's my pick this week hey marvelous nice are we still going in couch order um we'll go in reverse (laughs) couch order because I did not hey. pick something in advance because I forgot. But uh, I also don't think that there's a lot that I uh, could like that I would think of off the top of my head to feature. So I'm just going to feature a song from this album. Um, so I'm going to choose Pulling the Pin. Click. From a long line that have ran to the swine king of violators, the cloven foot design is a high crime for the Iron Angels. Yeah, it's just a very good song. I feel like we talked about it a little bit, um, but I just like love the emotion in it, and um, I think it like builds to like a really um, like good point and stuff. And I like a lot of the um, like. Uh, like, I like on the last two songs in general, like, a lot of the, like, uh, more alternative elements that you wouldn't, like, typically hear in hip-hop. And uh, I just think that that's something that they do really well. Um, and so, yeah, I will pass it off to you, Jackson. Yay. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a cut that's very much related to the album, too. Uh, I'm going to pick from LP's I'll Sleep When You're Dead... The Song of Flyantology, which Ooh. features Trent Reznor. Click. I know I haven't been walking a humble path. I know I cursed your name and then laughed. I know I found it a name to bend And you can already tell based off the title that it's kind of poking at Scientology, but it also dunks on religion pretty heavily. Uh, It's a bit more of like an angry fuck you song than it is something that's more like contemplative about it. Um, I think it, that's just L's perspective as an atheist. This is also 2007. He was a lot uh, younger and angrier back then. So, um, it, all, aside from featuring Trent Reznor, it's just also the only song on that album that doesn't have the explicit tag. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy this album as a whole, but that is the first song I would pick to show somebody because Trent Reznor is an interesting feature for hip hop. And uh, LP, like, mm-hmm. yeah. getting that is really neat. All right. Um, my song would be Pork and Beef by The Coup, uh, Boots Riley's band. Click. If you got beef, you'll see your beef. Go around the top with the P.I.T.s. Because they be no ass treat you and me. You gotta understand that we're still not free. Don't trust the police. No justice, no peace. They got me face down. I think it's fitting for right now. Uh, an album about police brutality naturally eventually approaches a zero point where you just have to throw a Molotov at some cops. And that's what Pork and Beef is for. Yeah. I can appreciate yeah. that sentiment. It's just uh, you have a beef with the pigs, probably, is the hook of the song. Yes, yes. I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm listening to it right that's now. All, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were clairvoyant. 
<laughs> cool. Um, so thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Thank you it's for been having us. Great to have you. <laughs> Sorry that uh, it ended up being such a long endeavor, but I appreciate you guys sticking it out. We're used to this level of uh, bullshit whenever we do our podcast. We fuck around way too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I Are we still planning on doing an episode where we talk a bit more generally about Run the Jewels? Later. Later. Talk about this later. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Now, since Andrew's not talking, probably because of poor connection, um, I will say. No, I was that... just like letting you talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You've been doing like you've been sitting back a lot more this episode, and I have not been prepared for it. Um, but uh, that's Hollywood for you. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh. Let's go ahead and close this off with a closing sentiment prepared by Austin. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, three, two, two one. one. Black, Black Lives Matter. matter. Yeah. Lives Matter. Matter. Wow, you, I can't <laughs> believe you came up with that. That's really interesting. Can this, All right. Uh, can this uh, end with the uh, music from uh, The Breakfast Club? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. You know, I hope you know that we're not going to add in music now. We're just going to have Andrew singing that as the end. You know what? Andrew, take it the fuck away. Don't you forget about me unless you have amnesia. And because if you have amnesia, then I'll forgive you for forgetting about me. Breakfast Club. <laughs>